Well, you guys can be seated. Good morning. Jesus today is going to be dealing with uh, more with, with some people being un- unable to see um, in our reading today. And when I say that, I mean that physically as well as spiritually. So what I'd like to do, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're, we're in Mark chapter 8. Um, and we're going to be starting in, verses, uh, in verse 22. So I'd like to read through the entire passage and then we'll kind of go back and break it all down. So starting in verse 22, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. So Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. So today, as we break this down, here's, here's kind of what we see this outline, okay? First, we see that there's this miracle that we're reading about, right? Um, but we're also going to see that there's this metaphor in this story, in this miracle. Um, there's this metaphor in the way that Jesus heals this man, okay? And then, obviously, we see this really powerful declaration by Peter. Um, it's this really powerful declaration of faith from Peter. Now, I just want to point out that, that sometimes we, we see Jesus perform these miracles in the Bible or we see him perform these healings. And it's, and it's easy for us to forget that Jesus has a greater purpose behind every miracle that he performs. Okay? We tend to see his love and his compassion for the physical suffering that people might be enduring. Um, and that's really about it. That's what we think. But if that were the case... I mean, Jesus would just come and heal everybody, wouldn't he? He could do that. But that isn't really the the purpose, okay? He knows um, that, that, yes, sometimes, you know, physical suffering is something that he wants to heal, but he has a purpose behind it. And what really it comes down to is he cares more for a person's eternity than anything else. He knows that uh, what we need more than, than physical health is spiritual healing. See, it's never simply about this physical healing, those types of miracles. Any of the miracles, it's never even just about that or even calming the storm as we saw him do. It's never just about that. There, there's always, every miracle that Jesus performs always has a, a greater intent and purpose behind it than we generally understand. 
Now, I really want you guys to keep that in mind as we, as we break down this passage that we read today. I'm sure that you notice this odd way uh, that Jesus heals this blind man. Uh, he worked in, in stages to heal him, right? Rather than immediately giving him this full sight right away, which we know he could do. We know that Jesus has the power to do that. But there's a lesson that Jesus is teaching here through this um, about how faith and clarity tend to grow in stages. So here's, here's the question that I want us to really think about today. Each one of you should really ask yourself this question. What stage are you in with your pursuit of God? See, at Alpine, we, we teach that faith grows in these three distinct stages. I mean, we start right there at the top by trusting Jesus placing our faith fully in him for our salvation. That's really the first stage, the first step in our pursuit of God. And then, uh, after we've done that, we then learn through the work of the Holy Spirit and studying God's word um, how to live this life that honors God. That's the next stage that we go through. And then, as we um, continue on, with the, the way that we mature fully in our faith is by helping others in their pursuit of God. At first, when we start our pursuit of God, it's about, it's about us, right? It's about gaining our own faith, and it's this inward focus. But we don't mature fully until we get this outward focus where we're pouring into other people, where we're helping other people pursue God. And we, and we mature in our faith by, by making disciples, okay? So ask yourself, where would you put yourself on this circle right now. Have you put your faith in Jesus for salvation? Maybe, maybe some of you here today haven't. Maybe you haven't done that yet. If, if not, I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. I really am. Um, because it means that you're probably seeking him. You're open-minded to it. That's a good place to be. Um, that's exactly how I learned eventually to trust Jesus for my salvation. Uh, I went to the Layton campus of Alpine for, it was probably a couple of years before I really came to an understanding of, of saving faith, of understanding, uh, uh, of trusting Jesus for my salvation. It took quite a few years. And so if that's you and you're here today, um, like I said, we're glad you're here. Others, others here Maybe you've already put your faith in Jesus, okay? You've, you've, you're past that phase, the trust Jesus phase, but you're still working on understanding what living this God-honoring life looks like. Keep reading your Bible. Keep coming to church. Attend small groups. Get a mentor. Find a place to serve. Um, and dedicate yourself to faithful and regular prayer. That's that's really what's going to help you. All, all of those spiritual disciplines are what help us grow in our relationship with God. Uh, it helps us to connect more and more with the Holy Spirit residing in us. And in doing that, we gain this better understanding of what it does look like to live this God-honoring life, of, of understanding the life that, that God desires us to live. Now, the last step that I talked about, it's an important one that many Christians 
miss. Until you are really discipling others, helping others to to gain and grow in their faith, you're never really going to fully mature in your faith. See, this is what we call a, a full circle pursuit of God. And the idea here is that we're on mission with Jesus. Jesus, uh, in his great commission, he calls us to go out and share the good news of the gospel, baptizing people and bringing them into God's family. And this is what we think that the that, that full circle picture really looks like. But like I talked about, as I, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because, as you can see, all these things, they happen in stages, Right? They're, some, for some people, they're fast-moving stages. You really, you know, you, you get on fire and you just start going full force through these and, and you fire on through them. But some, for some people, it's slower moving and it takes, it takes time. But we can all praise Jesus for his patience with us. And it's the same patience that he shows for his disciples as we see over and over as we read through the gospel of Mark. We see Man, he is really patient with his disciples who are slowly progressing as well, right? Slowly coming to understanding. See, I mentioned earlier how Jesus had just been trying to teach the disciples to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And even though they've been following him all this time, it still goes completely over their heads. Jesus, he says, Can't you guys see? You have eyes, you've been watching me. You've been listening to my teaching, and you still don't get it. You still don't fully understand. And so there's an obvious metaphor here in this healing. See, look again back at how he heals this guy. Okay? They arrive at Bethsaida. They bring this blind man to Jesus, and they beg them to touch the man and heal him. Jesus, he takes the blind man by the hand, leads him out of the village, Spitting on the man's eyes, he lays his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. See, Jesus, he gives the man some sight, but he still can't see everything clearly yet. Can you see anything? He asks, reminiscent of last week questioning the disciples in those previous verses, do you see or understand yet? They don't. The disciples' understanding of Jesus is blurry. They can't clearly see or understand yet, but they will. I want you to notice also, though, that Jesus, he's once again, he's, he's laying his hands on this man to heal him. I'm always, every time we read some of these, uh, these, these healings that Jesus does, I'm, I'm always moved by how personal Jesus gets. He gets so personal with everyone that he interacts with because what we know in reading the Bible is Jesus doesn't need to touch anyone to heal them. He doesn't need to do that. We've already seen him. We've read, we've read about him healing people from a distance. He's not anywhere near these people. Then he's healing them. So we know that he doesn't have to put his hands on this man to heal him. He doesn't need to spit on his eyes. I know as weird as that sounds, um, it sounds disgusting to us. But think about it. He's a blind man, right? There was something about this, letting him know what I'm doing, right? He can feel. 
him, him spitting on his eyes. And so he, he's really, he's getting down to his level and, and communicating with him how, how best he can, showing him what he's doing. But, but like I was talking about, these instances, they really, they sh- truly show how deep his love and compassion are for each one of us. He gets up close and personal. But I, I also want to focus on something else. There's something fascinating going on here. Um, see, laying on of hands is not something new that Jesus is introducing here. We actually see it in the Old Testament as well. See, Levitical priests, they used to lay their hands on animal sacrifices um, in order to symbolize transferring the sin of the people over to the animal being sacrificed. But Jesus is putting his hands on this man, and Jesus, does he have any sin to transfer? He doesn't, does he? he Jesus is, is, is perfect and sinless, God in the flesh. So he, as he's laying his hands on him, instead of laying his hands on to channel sin, he's laying his hands on to transfer healing. See, Jesus is this total change agent in the Bible. He changes everything, fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecies and, and the Old Covenant and bringing about the New covenant. The new covenant where we no longer uh, drape our sin, our unrighteousness on animal substitutes. The new covenant now is where Jesus actually drapes his righteousness onto us because he took our sin, our sin transferred to him and he drapes us in his righteousness. It just, he changed everything. Flipped everything on its head. But this new covenant, the gospel, it's not yet fully understood by the disciples. Reading on, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. Now, we know Jesus could have instantly restored this man's sight. We know that. It had nothing to do with this being more, a more difficult situation for Jesus all of a sudden, like it took two tries for him to do. No, there's, a, there's another purpose here, which we may not fully comprehend, um, but the disciples, we know, were given clear sight and understanding over time. Uh, they understood things eventually, most, most importantly after Jesus' death and resurrection and his ascension. They, they, they looked back and were able to understand things that they couldn't understand before. Their eyes were open to so many things that they didn't initially understand. In fact, if we look at John 12, 14 to 16, uh, it's talking about Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem before he goes to suffer and die on the cross. But this is his triumphal entry. It says, Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. See, Jesus, he's seen here fulfilling uh, this prophecy 
from Zechariah 500 years beforehand. Um, and even though the, the Jews, they, they, they knew all of these prophecies of the Messiah that, that he would fulfill, most of it they didn't realize until after the fact. This is, this is all too often the case um, with, with us even when we try to understand what God is doing. We can't really see the full picture until much, much later a lot of times. Um, as I was, as I was uh, reading through this and, and, and thinking this through, I was, I was reminded of this puzzle that, that we got um, that my wife and I were working on together. I don't remember where we got it. Some, somebody gave it to us as a gift. It was a really odd puzzle. It was a wooden puzzle. And the pieces, the individual pieces, weren't like typical puzzle pieces. They actually looked like their own thing. Like they were, I, I believe it was, a, it was a lion when it was all put together. But it was like actually made out of all these other little animal shapes and, and things. And so it was really interesting. You, you see this piece and you can't really understand. Like you can see a part of it, right? But you don't get the clear picture until you put it all together. And I think that's, that's what I was reminded of as we're reading this and I, and I was thinking about, man, the disciples as they're seeing these things that Jesus is doing and, and, and he's teaching them these things and they're just like, it's just going right over their head. But later, all these things were revealed to them and they look back and they're like, ah, I get it now. I see it. And it's just like this man that Jesus is healing, right? See, the man looks around. He says, yes, yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that if we think of that in the context of, of understanding what God's doing or what God's trying to say to us. Think about the times that you've come across a verse in the, in, in the Bible that you've read a dozen times before. You've read this thing over and over and over, and you're like, ah, oh, here it is again. But this one time you read it, and suddenly this light bulb comes on. Suddenly you have this, this clear understanding of something that you had never understood before. Like God is revealing something to you that, that you had never seen before. I know that happens to me all the time. All the time. Even in this passage that we're reading now. If, you know, the first few times I read this, I didn't get it. Just like, I don't know if Jesus is just, he's failed the first time to heal this guy or what. No, there is. There's a clear understanding. The more we study, the more we read, the more we are allowing God to, to, to teach us, these things happen. We get a greater and greater understanding. See, because God's ways are not our ways. His ways are not our ways. He's, he's so far beyond us that insights into his ways, they take time. They take time for him to really be able to teach us and show us. One of my favorite verses is in Romans 12, verse 2. It's, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, there's this renewing of our minds that's required for us to discern spiritual things. A renewing that only God can do. Only God can renew our minds that way. 
And Jesus, as we see all throughout the gospel, he's working on renewing the minds of the disciples. And as he does, their eyes are open to more and more um, of, of things that they had never realized before. In fact, that's what we see here is we see Peter's declaration is one of these moments where his eyes are opened to something that he hadn't seen before. See, they leave Galilee and went to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say, John the Baptist, Elijah. Others say you're one of the prophets, one of the other prophets. And he asked them, who do you say I am? Peter replies, his eyes opened here. He replies, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. Look at how this declaration of faith is described in the Gospel of Matthew. Okay? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replies, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. It wasn't anything that that Peter learned from his own human understanding or from some other human perspective. It was a revelation that came from God, his eyes being opened. He's getting a clearer and clearer picture of who Jesus really is. So many of these people during this time, they have, they have no clue yet, thinking that he's this gifted teacher. Maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he's this reincarnated prophet. But Peter, he suddenly knows that Jesus is the Messiah. And while it seems like Peter suddenly has this clearer picture, just so you know, he's not, he still isn't seeing as, as clearly as he thinks. Peter doesn't fully understand, he doesn't fully understand who the Messiah is or what the Messiah is going to do. And in fact, I hope that you'll come back next week because we're going to see where, where Peter's vision of Jesus' purpose is still blurry. And it's blurry to him and also the rest of the disciples. Okay? Um, so hopefully you come back next week and you can, you can see that, yes, his eyes are opening, but it's still not fully clear yet. My hope is that you are getting a clearer picture of Jesus as we're reading through this gospel, as we're reading through the book of Mark, because his purpose in writing this gospel was laid out plainly in the very first verse of the book. If you guys were here for the very first week, we studied this verse. Mark 1.1, this is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark stated from the very beginning exactly what he was going to reveal through his book. The good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It's a, it's a declaration, much like Peter's, it's a declaration about the true identity of Jesus. That's exactly what his gospel is. See, we see, as we read through, we see his identity um, being declared over and over in a lot of different ways. We see um, his identity is, is declared when he is, is baptized. God the Father declares who Jesus is. This is my son, right? His, his identity is even declared by demons that Jesus is casting out. 
They're declaring his identity. And even the natural elements that are obedient to him as he's calming the storm, the the natural elements are testifying of Jesus' deity. And now what we see is Peter, one of the disciples, declaring Jesus as the Messiah. See, just like Peter and the rest of the disciples, God is continually working to reveal himself to us. God is pursuing you. And your pursuit of him also begins with a personal declaration of faith, like we talked about in that full circle pursuit. That, That first part of that pursuit is a declaration of faith. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, we're grateful that your spirit does open our eyes to things that we can't initially see because your ways are so much greater, uh, so much difficult for us to comprehend. You are slow and patient with us and you have, you have amazing ways that you teach us just like you teach the disciples here. Lord, I, I pray that we would take comfort and confidence in the fact that that we don't fully understand you, we don't fully comprehend you, but that's okay. It's okay because you are continuing to reveal yourself to us. If we don't get it the first time, you will come back and back and keep showing us, keep teaching us. Lord, we are so um, just overwhelmed by that level of personal love that you have for each one of us. Especially as we read the way that you heal people, that you are just so compassionate and loving and tender. And Lord, you are like that with each one of us. Lord, those of us who have experienced your forgiveness know how great your love is that we know there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Your, your love is, is eternal. It's, it's greater than we can understand, Lord, but we know it's there. You tell us in your word. You reveal it in our hearts when we pray to you, when we seek forgiveness, when we feel your presence. Lord, we are just so grateful that you choose us that you chose to rescue us when you didn't have to. Lord, you love us that much, that you suffered and you died for us. You took our sins upon you. And we thank you for that. We love you, and we pray in your name. Amen.